So, um, I mean, firstly, thank you, Pastor, for um, giving me the honor to have this conversation with you, Greg. Um, you know, someone I haven't known for very long, but really look up to and respect the work that you do. And um, I relate to you in that I am a reformed uh, former um, <laughs> member of the LGBT community, um, an ex-gay. <laughs> I was not fully gay, I say I was half gay. But um, no matter what that was, um, I am now um, on a journey with the Lord and you have been trekking that journey for several decades now. And I really wanna start there. I've heard your testimony before, but I want everyone in the room to to really get the chance to hear your story and how the Lord um, met you and redeemed you because I think that's so fundamental to understanding um, the work that you do and also your orientation as, as a man of God um, and, and how that uh, correlates to the work that you're doing in the state of New Jersey. Well, well thank you. Um, <clears throat> so I'm gonna make this a really short Reader's Digest version, you know, because I am quite old, so you're not gonna get all 65 years, okay? Uh, but, but the, the point is, is, is that uh, I was born in a dysfunctional American family. Anybody else? Yeah, yeah, most of us, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, mm. so we're, in the same, we're in the same group there, all right. So, um, and uh, my um, uh, dad was an atheist, my mother was a believer, and they both got married. So, uh, as the joke is, is that you know what you do when you do that, don't you? As a believer, marry a non-believer, you get the devil as a father-in-law. So uh, that's what happened in our house. It was unequally yoked, and uh, that's, I was the oldest of four children. Um, and my dad was uh, a very angry rage monster, is the best way to describe him. And I'd be the one he went after. Out of all four kids, no matter what went wrong in the house, it was my fault, or he would explode at me. When I was eight years old, it was a cold autumn day, not quite as cold as it is in here, but it was cold, uh, and I was out with my playmates playing, and, um, uh, and I, dad was out in the driveway working on the car and I was close by and he was about ready to explode and I knew I was going to get it. So I turned around and looked at him and I said, you hate me, don't you? He looked back at me as he took the Lord's name in vain and said, yes, I hate you and laughed. And that wasn't a revelation that was like, yeah, I knew that. I knew that. So time went on. Uh, we went to church. We went to church about 30 miles away. So, um, but I gave my heart to Jesus Christ in a junior church service at nine years old, and it was the real deal. At 10 years old, the neighborhood boys found their dad's playboys, and we started looking at them. And it wasn't long before a boy across the street and I discovered sex together. And that was my first sexual experience, and it was a same-sex experience. Did that imprint on my life? Yes, it did. No one is born gay, just in case you wanted to, had any doubts about that. Because you've been fed that line, and fed that line, and fed that line, and fed that line. And uh, I have a whole nother presentation, which takes a good hour, but it's called Sex, Science, and Scripture. And I will prove to you through all of it that nobody is born gay. And what the intent is, you know, it's time for all of us, regardless of where we are in life or what we've experienced, to follow the manufacturer's guidelines. That's him. <laughs> so uh, he's the manufacturer. So it's time for us to all be doing that. So I became a double-minded man. So I was unstable in all my ways at 10 years old. Uh, I had a heart for the Lord. I loved him. I wanted to serve him. And at the same time, now I had this thing. Because at that moment when that happened, I was getting something I wasn't getting at home. I wasn't getting at school. And I wasn't getting in the church. I was getting approval. I was getting affirmation. I was getting affection. Somebody was touching me without hitting at me. Somebody was talking to me without screaming at me and calling me names. Somebody made me feel like they wanted me around. So I went back for more. 
Besides, like I said, it was pleasurable. You know, it was sex. So I went back for more. But at the same time, I was conflicted the entire time. So I got through uh, high school and, and, and all that and went through a tornado, got hit by a car. That's another long story. Um, so I have, all I'm saying is I have lots of traumas that contribute to the reason why I'm crazy, man. So, um, uh, so I, I went to Bible college to become a minister, felt the call of God in my life, uh, ran out of money, came back home, became an LPN, licensed practical nurse, also stands for lousy paid nurse. And uh, this was during the AIDS epidemic. And uh, so I became a volunteer nurse with the Dayton Area AIDS Task Force out of Dayton, Ohio. And I was also starting, uh, was working through getting my RN at that, at that time too. And these guys knew my background, my Christian background, so they would ask me this question. Um, Does God hate me? Am I going to hell? Would you read my favorite Bible verse at my funeral? Would you do my eulogy? Would you tell my son and daughter what happened to daddy? And I did all those things. I could describe to you some of those talks, but for time's sake, I'll go on. Um, so, um, and there's pleasure in sin for a season. I felt like, it was like a, uh, it was just a, an epiphany when I came out of the closet. Oh, this is great, it was so cathartic. Because you see, coming out of the closet was like, uh, it was either I was gonna commit suicide or come out of the closet. And because I had some fear of God, I decided coming out of the closet was better than suicide. So. But, like I said, it was fun for a while, and then it wasn't. Before it ended, I watched 100 of my friends and acquaintances die of AIDS before I quit counting. And at that 100th mark, and there have been many more since then, but at that 100th mark, I wasn't going to another funeral. I wasn't doing another eulogy. I wasn't going to another viewing. I would still go to the hospital and visit these guys, take care of them at home, do their medications, cook them a meal, take them to the doctor. But I wasn't about to, to do anything with the ceremony of death anymore. Um, a guy who I was dating at the time took me to this fancy reception of the Human Rights Campaign Fund, as it was called then. Now it's called HRC, the Human Rights Campaign. And uh, if you see that bright yellow um, bumper sticker with a, uh, a blue background, deep blue background, uh, that's what that is. That's them. Um, that's their logo. So, and they are the largest gay and lesbian political organization in the country. They rank the, as the ninth largest of all independent political action committees, chiefly responsible for the billions of dollars in research and support money that comes from the federal government. I remember the commercial. So anyway, so, you know, and they taught me how to do grassroots activism, how to read legislation, how to lobby my elected official. Essentially what the devil trained me to do, I'm now using for the Lord. Amen. God can take anything you've been through and turn around and use it. Yes. He can use it. So, um... <clears throat> so I was very involved in that, and I was only there because of the AIDS epidemic. I thought, this is the, the organization we need to find the money to fight AIDS. Uh, but it wasn't all that long, or nor was it all that hard for me to get sucked into the entire agenda, except at one point. Um, the executive director at that time was sitting down having a conversation with me, and he says, Greg, you know, when we get gays in the military, because that was the big issue back then, gays in the military, then we're going to go for transgender. I go, huh? I didn't know what that was. Now, I'm a nurse. Trans meant to me, you know, like transdermal. That's how we gave medication, you know. You squeeze a little paste on a piece of paper and put it on the skin. It's called transdermal. So I, what are you talking about? Trans what? So he had to explain it to me, and I'm going, what? That was literally a bridge too far. I said, this is nuts. This is crazy. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. So, but, but and, you know, 
There's a, a phrase out there, a saying that says, you know, sometimes when you find yourself you don't, where you don't want to be, you do everything you can to justify being there. So I stayed a little longer. Miserable, hating it. And at the same time, too, my father has an abdominal aortic aneurysm the size of a grapefruit. And who did he want around? Me. The not-so-little boy anymore who's the nurse in the family. So because I was raised the way I was, you know, I was, you know, I did what I was supposed to do, so I was taking care of dad. And uh, I remember the uh, uh, surgery he had to remove the aneurysm. The uh, cardiovascular surgeon said that it was like sewing lead pipe together. Um, talking about his aorta. So that was how advanced it was. He essentially smoked himself to death, which is the reason why he had all of these, these, these symptoms. He had severe COPD, and that's what killed him. He had 18% lung capacity when he died. Gosh. So... At that time, too, I'm watching Christian television. You know, I was watching um, the 700 Club. I wanted to go through the TV and choke Pat Robertson. By the way, I've been on his show at least two dozen times in the last 30 years. So God's got a sense of humor. Uh, that was the days of Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, The Rivers of Mascara, and I watched that for entertainment. And then uh, there was TBN, uh, the Trinity Broadcasting Network, and they would have panels of ex-gays, like you and me. And talking about leaving the homosexual, uh, the homosexual lifestyle, I would scream at the TV, that's not true, that I was born this way, you gotta, da, da. but deep down I'm going, oh, is it true? Because here is something that's part of the pathology. Pathology means a disease process. Whether that disease is in your mind or in your body, it's a process. So it's part of the pathology, the part of the deception. You really do believe you were born that way. And you honestly think that you have memories all the way back to early childhood and infancy that, that you knew you were gay. You just knew it. No, you didn't just know that. You, 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 you weren't even potty trained. What do you mean you knew you were gay? So, you know, it, it's, it's ludicrous. But that's what, they're do that's what they're saying. That's how you feel. That's how you think. So um, anyway, I'm watching these testimonies and I had reached that point of that, you know, 100th funeral and all that other stuff. And I'm watching a, a rerun on TBN of this panel discussion of people who'd left homosexuality. And it was Thanksgiving weekend, 31 years ago, this last Thanksgiving. And I made a call to TBN and I'm having a hard time telling the guy, now that's ridiculous. I'm in Dayton, Ohio. This guy's 2,000 miles away from me. And I, I, I'm having a hard time. I can't see him. I can't, you know, it's, it's this, you know, we didn't have the TV phones then, you know. Uh, that was the phone on the wall with the curly Q thing, you know, that's, uh, yeah. So uh, anyway, so I finally blurted it out. I said, I'm gay and I don't want to be like this anymore if there's any hope and there's any help. And he chuckled and I got a little indignant. He says, no, no, no. He said, you're just the seventh or eighth person tonight who's called for the same reason. Wow. I wasn't the only one who wanted out. I'm still not the only one who wanted out. Mm -hmm. So I've said the prayer, you know, that, that, you know, the sinner's prayer. I'd led people in the sinner's prayer. There weren't any bells and whistles that night, but I had peace. Mm -hmm. So to make a long story short, because there's a lot here. So I went and found a church and there was a pastor there. And, and I, I didn't tell anybody what I had been, where I was going. I wasn't ready to confess that stuff. But when the music minister found out I could sing a little bit and read music, he put me in the choir. I've forgiven him since then because the, um, uh, the women's section of that choir was incredible. They were awesome. They had this one woman, I swear she was so good. She was Mariah Carey. She could break glass. It was just great. Then there was the men's section. They were fingernails on the chalkboard bad. Oh, they were awful. 
They couldn't read music. They couldn't blend. And there was one guy in there who thought he was the men's section all by himself. And he was tone deaf. It was so bad. But anyway, so we made it through. We got through the Easter cantata and all that kind of stuff. But at that, that same time, too, this pastor in one of his sermons yelled out the word sodomite. I was going, oh. <laughs> and then he did it again. He goes, those sodomites. Oh. <laughs> and, and it wasn't that I was offended. It was that I was terrified. I will never be able to tell this man or this church what my problem is, what my struggle is. They're going to put me out in front of the church with a big tar and feather me with a big red S that says for sodomite. <laughs> so I said, God, you got to do something. So there was this church down the road being built in, in, in uh, Ohio. And, and uh, I was in my nursing career, I was the chart inspector for Medicare and Medicaid to make it. It's called utilization review and quality assurance. So anyway, so I would drive past this church going up Interstate 75 between Dayton and Cincinnati. And it took them forever to build it. And then it, here came February and it's Ohio like it does here sometimes. Some of you remember these winters we have here in New Jersey. We'll have, uh, you know, all of a sudden we get a whole feet of snow and then we get freezing rain and sleet on top of it and another band of snow and you know how it goes. So that's what happened there and they called off church. Well, I had just gotten back to the Lord and I was starving. I had starved my soul for 10 years. So I uh, called down to this church and this hillbilly answered the phone. And I said, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, are you having services today? Why, yes, sure, son. We always have church. We never call off church. Come on down. I thought, oh gosh, this is the price is right. So I... Uh, I drove down there and slid into the parking lot and had no idea what I was getting into until I opened the door and walked in there. Now, I'm in a suit because I was told you go to church in a suit. That's how I grew up. Well, this was a big church, fan-shaped. I wasn't, you know, I didn't figure there'd be too many people in there. And they maybe had 100 people in there, but that church set a couple thousand then and, and bigger now. So I walked in there and there's a biker group over here. Bikers. How did I know that? They had chaps on. With, with chains to, to, to a, a leather, you know, a, a, bill, a billfold wallet chain to their, to their chaps. And they had on a vest that said God Squad on the back. And I thought, because there was, see, the parking lot had ice in it, so they weren't riding their bikes, you know. So I thought, that I had no warning that that was what was going to be there when I walked in. So, okay, they're over here. I'm going to sit over here. Then the choir started going, and they were great. They were, they, they were choreographed to the music. Their hands were waving like this, and they were bowing to certain lines, and the thing doing like this, just a bunch of white people trying to be black, and they were doing a good job of it, too. Really, they were. You can laugh. You know, there's, there's nothing politically correct about my testimony or me. So, anywho, so, um, and, and then the preacher got up to preach, and I realized that that was the hillbilly that answered the phone was the preacher. Okay, this is all right. So I said, I've got to come back here. This, this, is, this is something else. I, it's entertaining, at least. So I'd go to early service to help him with the Easter cantata, and I had 20 minutes to get from there to the church down there and the, uh, to, to the church with the, the bikers. And uh, that Sunday morning, uh, I found out the wife preaches, too. Her name was Darlene Bishop, or is Darlene Bishop. She's alive. Um, and she preached better than he did. And she preached a sermon about how her baby brother died of AIDS. I thought, oh, well, that's interesting. I, I get she, bet she understands. She may understand where I'm at, but I didn't do anything with that yet. Then uh, she preached a, a sermon about hell, and you knew you didn't want to go. Uh, you were pretty sure. Uh, and then she prayed, don't hear many of those anymore. Uh, and then she, uh, I'll be happy to come here and preach a sermon on hell. That way I can leave. So just so you know, just get, get, get we'll book that some Sunday. Um, and, uh, 
So uh, and I can run out before the offering, too. It'll be okay. Um, so so uh, and then uh, she preached a sermon. She said this. She says, if a drug addict, if a prostitute, if a homosexual wants to come into this church, sit in this pew and hear the gospel and that bothers you, we need your seat. And I thought, oh, well, that'll preach. Praise God. Yeah. So. The Easter cantata happened. Easter Sunday happened. Everything was great. And so we didn't have uh, Sunday night services at the church, uh, the smaller church with the Easter cantata, but they had Sunday night services at the church down the road. So I walked in. That's called Solid Rock Church. And so I went into church there and um, they had a, uh, another woman preacher because I grew up in a church that, you know, the denomination where women are preachers. Well, no, that's just not right. You know, that's just not the call of God. It's just, yeah. Uh, the first people to proclaim the resurrection of Jesus Christ were women. That's called preaching. So um, <laughs> just so you know. All right. That'll preach too. All right. So, um, so this lady was there. So they had a, a woman evangelist. And I thought, okay, they're really challenging my theology here. So and this woman's name is Peggy Richards. And she preached a sermon uh, tailor-made for me. It was about God the Father, a Father's image, and a Father's love. Mm. I was in the blender. Mm. When she hit it at an altar call, I was up and down the aisle. And when I hit that altar, I was a boo-hoo and sotten, slobber and mess. You think I'm ugly now? Oh, don't, don't, you don't want to be around when I'm crying. Oh, scare the smell off a skunk. So it's just, just so bad. So, so uh, and I, my, I hit that altar, and you know, the devil will always give you doubts. He'll always lie to you. So I'm praying there, and, and the, the guy behind me is asking, Brother, son, can I pray for you? I couldn't even talk. I couldn't even, <laughs> all I could do was, ah, that's all I could do. So I, but in my heart, in my mind, I said, Lord, if you have taken me back, I've got to know, and I've got to know right now, at that second, son, there's a call on your life. Raise that boy up in the striped shirt. I still have that striped shirt, by the way. It's a relic. I'm going to put it in an infused, you know, frame it. Um, so, and I felt the, the, the hands of the ushers on my shoulders, and they're raising me up. And here she came through the tears, you know, high heels, padded shoulders, and Ph.D., Pentecostal hairdo. Praise God. The higher it is, the closer to God you are. Glory. So, um, it was more like a teasing spray, but it's a better joke when I say it that way. So, um, and she looked at me, and she said, son, you've been through the muck and the mire. And then she pulled her mic away. And she started reading my mail. And I'm, trust me, I don't think she'd ever been to a bar because I'd been to a lot of them. I'd had enough sex for a lifetime. And how in the world I ever got AIDS, didn't get AIDS, is a, is, is a miracle. Just a miracle that I don't have AIDS. But I, I will tell you this, when I was a little boy in the top bunk, praying to God, to kill my father. I was literally asking God to take him away. But at the end of those prayers, I'd always say, God, don't let go of me. God answered that prayer and is still answering that prayer. So, anywho, so, and then she said this to me. She says, what the devil has trained you to do, God will use for his glory. Hallelujah. So, and being, a, and being as dense and as, as hard as a rock, uh, I, I didn't quite understand what that meant. And I had a friend at the church. Her name was uh, Vanessa. She was short and she was black. Uh, hang on to that. You're going to need that little piece of information because my dad was Archie Bunker. If you don't know who that is, that's ancient TV. You should go watch it because that was my father. Norman Lear had a mic in our house. He was eavesdropping in our house and he got lines for Archie from my dad. I'm telling you, that's the truth. So, anywho... Uh, I called her, uh, then I got this call from Ohio Christian Coalition. Greg, we've heard about you. We heard about your testimony. Would you like to come? I said, you don't even know me. And they told me, I said, well, who told you about me? And they told me, I said, oh, okay, fine. 
And so I called up Vanessa and I said, Vanessa, you won't believe this. I got this call from Ohio Christian Coalition. They, they said they want me to come and help them. And she goes, oh, the prophecy. And I said, huh? She goes, Peggy Bridges. I said, oh, is she coming back? She says, no, you dummy. So in the chat explained to me and I, oh yeah. So that was the turnaround there. Um, <clears throat> so I got involved in Ohio Christian Coalition and all that kind of stuff. And was with them for a while and a group called Pro Family Network. And then I wound up here in New Jersey. Uh, another organization was flying me back and forth and then they eventually hired me and that's where I met, uh, uh, what's your name? That guy, yeah. Uh, Adam, yeah, yeah. Levecki, um, Levecki, got it. Um, so, so that's how I got here. So that's sort of my testimony there. Um, I have a ministry too called the Center for Garden State Families. And if you'd like to get on our email list, what's another email? Come on. I mean, nah, you know, nah, nah. what's another one? At least ours has value. Mm -hmm. Amen. So sign up and, and, and please write legibly. Some of you write like hieroglyphics. And it takes a translator or three or four to find out what you wrote. So please write legibly, you know, print. Or, or if you have a business card, give me that. Okay. And I have a brochure too, so you know everything that we're about. Um, we are a Christian family advocacy organization. And that's sort of my testimony. Ooh, well, I mean, only God, only God can, can do that and pick someone up out of so much darkness. And I just love that. Exactly as that prophetic word said, um, Miss uh, Prophetess with the with the PhD said. Um, <laughs> um, that, She's in heaven now. I wonder what she thinks about that. Okay. <clears throat> bless her. Um, that everything that the enemy had trained you up to do, now you're using. So tell me about that journey from a pro-gay lobbyist now to a lobbyist that people would just call anti-gay, and I don't think we would disagree with that because we're anti, because you're anti-sin. Oh yeah, they called us, they, they, yeah, that's the mildest thing they call us is anti-gay, <laughs> yeah, 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 they call us haters, yeah. So tell us about, about that journey, and um, also, I'd love to hear how that also connected to your inner healing process, you know, feel free to touch on that, and I, I've heard you share this before, so I, I think it, it is a wonderful tie in that kind of reconciliation and forgiveness process um, with your father. So it was a loaded question, but feel free to pick up wherever. That's a great segue. Now the rest of the story, uh, as Paul Harvey would say. Um, so um, all that happened there at church and all that kind of stuff. Now my dad is in, in the hospital like a yo-yo. Uh, and every time he went in, he went on the ventilator. Now um, he was in the hospital in the town where I grew up, Green Memorial Hospital. And I lived in Dayton, so there's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's at least 16 to 20 miles. Uh, so uh, you know how it is when you get that phone call, it's always three or four in the morning. So uh, uh, Mr. Quinlan, your uh, mother uh, asked us to call you, your father's in the emergency room, and we suggest that you come down. And I'm like, oh. So I had my dog Scooter. That's another thing too, I wanna tell you, God gave me Scooter. Now, Scooter was my baby. He was my son. And, um, and I cried like a baby when we put, I was with him when we put him down. But I will tell you what, God used that little dog to keep me from going to places that I might otherwise not be here today if I had went to those places because I had to go home and take care of my four-legged baby. So, you know, so that little mutt, was, was, was just a blessing from God, a gift from God. I thank God for him almost every day and I'm praying for another one. But I gotta have a new house first. I gotta live in a different place. 
<laughs> so um, um, so I went and took Scooter out and, and drove up to the hospital. My brother meets me at the emergency room door and he says, Greg, dad's refused the ventilator. I go, oh, um, okay. So I, um, uh, we went in there and here's the scenario. Dad's on the gurney. My mother's right here on this side of the gurney. Respiratory therapist behind her. My baby sister's on the other side. My other sister lived in uh, Kentucky. Um, there's a nurse over here. Uh, my brother's behind me and two doctors over here. And I look at dad and I say, dad, Ed tells me you refuse the ventilator. He says, yeah. I says, you know what that means, don't you? He says, yes, Blaney, blank, I'm going to die. Okay. So, and then the doctor's back there writing in the charts. Son, who was an RN, asked father, you know, okay, yeah. <laughs> I'd have done the same thing. And they sent him up to step down. Now, Greg, being the, the, just the, you know, what a godly man I am. I'm so holy. I called the prayer line for dad. And I want you to know, I hated that man. I hated him. But, so, but I'm still doing everything I'm supposed to do. I'm honoring my father. So, you know, and so I had called the prayer line. You know, dad's not saved. So a lady from church came over. Her name was Darlene also, not the pastor's wife, but a different woman. And she looked, and she was there in the room with us with dad, and my mom was there, and she says, Greg, why don't you and your mother go get some breakfast, and, and I'll stay here and, and sit with your dad. Said, okay, fine. So we went to Bob Evans, came back. She was so excited, and I was so patronizing, because I didn't believe it. She said, Greg, Dora, Harry prayed to receive Christ, and he did it twice. And I go, oh, Mom, Dad got saved. Yeah, right. Yeah, sure he did. Yeah, that's Archie Bunker in the bed. And he didn't like her anyway, so he probably said that to shut her up. That's what I thought. 24 hours later, my mom and I realized that he hadn't taken the Lord's name in vain once. Now, that's different. That's very unusual. So, okay, fine. Then um, there's the weekend rolls around. Because uh, this happened, this is actually early Saturday morning. So uh, Sunday rolls around, and Vanessa, remember Vanessa? Short, black, okay. It, you know, dwarf, we call that midget. It's what I used to call it, but it's dwarf. That's the politically correct term. Um, so um, maybe they changed it again, I don't know. So uh, it's hard to keep up with the terms. Um, so anyway, um, uh, I, she, I, she said she was coming. I said, you know, you don't have to come. It's okay. You, you, don't want to, you can pray from afar. Now, she drove all the way from Middletown, Ohio to Xenia. For those of you who don't know, that's a good haul. So, um, and, and so she literally sat on, she had, it, for her to drive, you know, she had the apparatus on the, on the brakes and the do to dad, you know, with, with her feet, you know, and it was- oh, she was literally a midget, oh. Oh, she was, that's what I meant. Wasn't I clear on that? Well, I'm gonna have to be a little more specific. She is really short, <clears throat> all right? So anyway, <laughs> I'm not Catholic, but anyway, uh, the, 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 you notice I'm crazy, right? So anyway, so she waddles in the room and I'm like, oh my gosh, because it's all about me. This is a pride thing here. She walks in and she, she's waving at me like going like this and I'm going, oh my gosh, no, no, I told you not to come. Why did you come? I'm looking at her like that. Dad's in the bed. Now you have to imagine this now. Dad's in the bed, she comes through the door, walks in front of me, goes over there, and he's looking at her through the side rails. Now, do you get that? Okay, that's short. 
<laughs> Hi, Mr. Quinlan, my name's Vanessa, and I go to church with your son, Greg, and I came to pray with you, and I'm like, oh my gosh, here it comes. Lord, no. No, he's going to say something. You know what he was, I was thinking he was going to say, right? Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, honey. What? You know, that, that, no, no, no. By the time I'm trying to process what I had just heard, here comes in a nurse's aide. Now, she was black too. And to top it all off, she had an accent. She's from the islands. Oh, this is great. I've got a Jamaican. This is not how it's supposed to happen. So here, you know, I've got the redneck trifecta in the room. I have a foreigner, I have a handicap, and I have race. This is it. He's going to blow and say something. I want to crawl out the window. <laughs> it was on the third floor. I probably would have loved to have just jumped out and ended it all right there. <clears throat> God saves me from AIDS, saves me from the homosexual lifestyle, but I'm about to die right now, right here, because it's all about being embarrassed. And she comes in there and with her broken accent, because I can't speak Jamaican, she says, maybe I should go to one of the restaurants around here. Um, she's, she, yeah, yeah. She said, um, uh, she said, Mr. Quinlan, I came to take your vital signs, your temperature and blood pressure. And, and he takes her by the hand. Oh, oh, oh. Who are you? This is the invasion of the body snatchers. Who are you and what did you do with my dad? This is not the man who went into the hospital. Another couple days go by. I'm very far behind on my reviews. Now, Vanessa and Darlene, the lady who led dad to the Lord, were there and we were going to go to Frisch's Big Boy afterwards to get something to eat. I'm dressed in a suit. At that time, my mother had hired a nurse's aide to sit with dad because he would have that air hunger and air confusion because of the dyspnea uh, and, and, you know, uh, like I said, he had 18% lung capacity. So, um, so, and being the good Christian boy that I am, oh, I'm so, so holy. I bought stuff from Melissa to read. She was a Christian, the nurse's aide, to read to dad. Okay, fine. So um, she had it there, and so she would sit with him all night, and, uh, and she was a Christian. And uh, I said, Dad, I'm so far behind in my reviews. I don't know when I'm going to get back, but I'll do the best I can. He says, okay, Greg. I said, okay, Dad. I go, bye, Dad. He goes, bye, Greg. I turn around to walk out the door. He says, I love you, Greg. What? I mean, this happened in moments, but it, it felt like time stopped. And I'm sitting up against the wall. And I'm looking at Dad in the bed. Melissa's over here and says, yeah, I, I heard him say it. Now, I went to a Pentecostal church, so Darlene and Vanessa are having, are having a Holy Ghost meeting outside in the hallway. Oh, hallelujah, praise God. Yeah, da, da, da. And I am a deer in the headlights. It, it's the twilight zone, and I'm going to sink into the wall. Darlene turns around and looks at me, and she says, tell him you love him too. And I go, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I love you too, Dad. Uh, bye. And walk out the door. He went into a coma that night. He died the next day. I would never have told that man I loved him except in a moment like that. That was a gift from God. You want to talk about grace? That was grace. Now, a couple of years, we buried him, had the funeral, da-da-da-da. A couple of years later, um, God is chasing me down with one of those inconvenient verses. You know the ones you'd rather not read? You know those? Uh, the ones that point out your own sin. <laughs> you know those verses? Yeah, that, and I do, and I still do. No, I, so I did. I closed it. So, you know, it's that verse. If you don't forgive them, my Father in heaven won't forgive you. Let me go to Psalms. <laughs> uh, 
And then, lo and behold, I turn on the television set and the lady with the pink wig on TBN is reading that verse. Oh, really? Really? I'm in the car, I'm driving around the state to the nursing homes, and I'm looking for a Christian radio station, which we have a lot of those in Ohio. And, and, uh, and then it came on, and the preacher is preaching on that verse. Okay, God, all right, I got it. I got the message, all right. So I go home, and it was just a ritual. I wrote down with a legal pad, and I started writing down things and sort of lifting them up to God. After a while, it wasn't a ritual. And that night, I forgave my father. No. And listen to this. That's when the same-sex attraction started to wane. In the weeks and the months after that. Because it was that unforgiveness that's the bait of Satan that keeps you trapped in a sin so that you can't serve God like he wants you to serve him. Here's another point to that too. Just so you know it. Unforgiveness will keep you from serving the Lord because forgiveness is the cross. That is the cross. We don't preach enough about the cross. What is the cross? Mm. Why the cross? Because mm. without the cross, there was no altar of sacrifice. Mm. Without the cross, that cross that symbolized, cursed is the man who hangs on a tree. Mm. Do you understand the symbolism there? Mm. He took every curse yeah. and nullified it, mm -hmm. paid it, yes. satisfied the Father with it. So unforgiveness... You got to, every day you got to do that. Mm. Every day you got to do that. It's in the prayer the Lord taught us. Mm. Father, forgive me my sin. Uh, forgive me. Uh, how does that go? Forgive me as I forgive Thank you. Yeah, because I have to go through the whole thing too. It's like the alphabet. What is it? A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, A, G. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you have to do that. But you know what I'm saying? That forgiveness is the cross. Mm. Forgiveness is absolutely, utterly vital to your health. Mm and your spiritual health. Otherwise, it'll eat away at you. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness is not giving them, uh, uh, it doesn't justify any behavior, doesn't do anything like that. What it does is set you free. Amen. It doesn't set them free. Mm -hmm. God is, Jesus will be the judge. He will bring justice, but you can't. In fact, you yourself will be judged, even the believer, the judgment seat of Christ. So just so you know that, see that dog is saying amen. The rest of you ain't, but that dog is saying amen. So it's amen. So, you know, just so you understand that and put that through. So that was, that was, the, that was part of, a large part of my journey. But the other part of it, too, is the garbage I put in my mind. I was a porn addict. I was a sex addict. I had to renew my mind. Mm -hmm. And how do you do that? By the washing of the word. I'm going to tell you, in Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service or your spiritual act of worship. Second verse says, don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world the way this world does things, the way this world thinks, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm -hmm. Renewing is a present future participle in the Greek. Mm -hmm. I'm told that. It's not because I would know that. I, somebody else who knew that would have to tell me that. Mm -hmm. But what does that mean? Today I renew my mind. 
Tomorrow I renew my mind. Next week, next month, next year, the rest of my life, I am renewing my mind, taking every thought captive and bringing it unto the obedience of Christ, picking up that cross every day and nailing myself to it. So, um, and it's by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life. So it, it's all there. The first psychologist was Paul. Read the book of Romans. You know, especially 7 and 8, chapters 7 and 8. The very thing I want to do, I can't do. And the very thing I don't want to do is the thing I wind up doing. Oh, wretched man that I am. Yes, we are. And the Lord knows that too, because there was no hope for us except the cross. Yes. All right. So that, that's part of it. You have to work this out. And then you have to discover, too, that, that you have to know that even the people that are coming after you who are enemies, and there are sometimes you do want to go after them. I had a guy that actually sued me because, this, what a deal, it's, it's in the news, so you can, you know, you can find it. Um, in fact, World Net Daily had a great article when it was all over. It was, the, the, the headline was fantastic. Um, he, he uh, at a... We were, uh, I was with PFOX, Parents and Friends of Ex-Gays and Gays. That's a na uh, international organization uh, that ministers to parents. Mm. I was president of PFOX. And in, Arlen and in Virginia, we were at this, this event, and we had a booth. And this guy, his name is Wayne Besson, my arch enemy, the arch enemy of anybody. He just doesn't know your name yet. So, um, but I'm going to help him know you. Know, so let's, let's get you famous. Just, just, uh, he'll talk about you on his television, on his, on his radio program. Um, but anyway, he said I should be run over by a bus and injected with AIDS. Ew. Oh, wow. So it was a setup, too, because this guy's a liar of liars. I mean, he's just really good at it. And so they, and I got conned into being uh, on this uh, television show in Washington, D.C. And I was there. And then it was, we weren't 30 seconds into the interview, and I thought, this is a setup. Mm -hmm. This is a setup. So they took a quote I made out of context. And and da, 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 da. and they said, well, that's not very nice. No, no, that's no, how, how can you call yourself a this and a that? And a, and I said, excuse me, this sounds like Wayne Besson. And when I saw the look on the interviewer's face, I knew, yes, it is. Ah, uh, I said, oh, it is Wayne, isn't it? He's the one that gave you this information. Well, let me tell you this about Wayne. Did you know that Wayne said I should be run over by a bus and injected with AIDS? How nice is that? And and he goes, well, that's not very nice. <laughs> yeah, okay. Now, 10 months, that was in January, 10 months later, this guy starts, then he files a lawsuit against me for defamation. Dude, you said it. And the thing is, is that if you went back and read his stuff, the stuff he said about me, calling me Mary and girlfriend, and you're just a, you're just a limp-wristed sissy, and all the stuff he said about me. So, you know, and so it gets to federal court, and the judge threw it out, which we knew that was going to happen, but the judge threw it out. So... And then WorldNet Daily's, <laughs> it was great. It says, promo homo loses case, talking about him. That was the headline in the article about the, 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 the case being thrown out. Promo homo loses case. It was just, I mean, the, there are moments when it's really good. Um, so, I, I really, but except it wasn't. This is WorldNet Daily. They're, kind of, they're Christian. So, yeah, it was great. But so my journey to getting there. Forgiveness is key. The second part of it is you must exhibit self-control. In Galatians, it talks about the fruits of the Spirit. At the end of that verse, in the King James Version, it's temperance. In other versions, it's called the, 
uh, self-control. Uh, even the non-inspired version, the NIV, gets that right and calls it self-controlled. It translates it correctly. So, <laughs> so you had to be here earlier. Um, so the, the, the point I'm making is, is that you, if you'll understand this, you are responsible for where you are. The Holy Spirit and Jesus are there to get you where you ought to be. Mm -hmm. But you have to be available yeah. here to go there. Mm -hmm. You have to be willing to do this, including the inconvenient verses, to do that, mm -hmm. which you're called and equipped to mm -hmm. do. Now, that'll preach too. Yeah. And sometimes it ain't easy. Mm -hmm. I, you know, there are those TV evangelists, oh, well, you know, you can pray for this. He's going to come, showers of blessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, you've got an enemy there too. It's going to take that blessing and twist it, stop it, and give you something to replace it that you think's a blessing, and it ain't. It is imperative, especially in the days we live in, that we start getting serious about Jesus, mm. that we get serious about our own lives, mm. that we get serious about our commitment mm -hmm. because it's really, we really are in the last of the last of the last days. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean tomorrow he's coming, but he could. Mm -hmm. All I know is, is I look at this one verse, Matthew um, 24, 14, when this gospel of the kingdom is preached as a witness to all the nations, the people groups, then the end will come. That came right out of his mouth. Now there's this twisted interpretation of that. I read it literally because that's literally what it says. Going to any version, any concept, that's what it says. When they all hear, then I'm coming. Do we know when that's going to be? No, we don't. Because they're still finding people groups. Yeah. Papua New, in New Guinea, they found people, you know, another people group. Uh, uh, South America, they're, they're still finding these little bitty tribes and places. And it's just Mongolia. They all got iPhones, but they never heard the name of Jesus. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, well, no, whatever it is that China makes is what they've got. But anyway, so, you know, actually, no, China makes the iPhone. Okay, so anyway, so I digress, but you, you get what I mean. So the point is, is there are people out there that don't know the Lord. And that's one of our prayers, too, that... We, we pray He comes. Even so, come quickly, Lord. But Lord, reach everyone. Amen. But you've got your family members yes. who know but haven't accepted. Mm. You've got family members that think they know everything, but they know nothing without, if they don't know Jesus. Mm. So that's what we got to be and that's where we got to go. Mm. So that's, in a nutshell, my journey. There are steps to take. You need to, I think one of the best keys in understanding um, where you are is to know how you got there. Mm. Uh, what caused me to go into the gay lifestyle? What, what were the factors that Satan used to, to make the recipe that got me where I was? Where is it that he put me on the detour and took this path out or stopped me here and put me there? All sorts of things go that way. And he knows how we're made. You see, when you're born again and blood washed, you aren't brainwashed. History's not erased. Everything you've ever done is buried in this brain. It's put on a brain cell back there. The enemy knows it too, and he knows how to bring it up. Yep. 
Okay? This is why you are to guard your heart, mm. guard your mind. Mm. Watch what you watch. Mm. Be careful what people say to you. There's some things I just, you just got to stop doing. And I'm, I'm so sick of TV, and besides the price is going to help me get rid of it. I'm going to get rid of cable pretty quick here because I can't afford it anymore. But as, as we're, time's rolling out here, but there you go. That's, that's kind of where we are. That's, that's what you need to do. But those are one of the understandings I think that people need to understand is, how did you get there? Why did you think this was good? Why, and you know, now you've come to the Lord, you've come to an understanding, you've at least gotten this far, but you can't stop because there's, Nothing easier than going back when things get hard. You need fellowship. Mm -hmm. You need accountability. Mm -hmm. You need teaching. All of us need teaching. Adam needs teaching. I need teaching. We all need teaching. We need to know the word. Mm -hmm. See, you're here tonight on a very cold Wednesday night when you could be somewhere where it's warmer. You know, and, and with maybe even with a real fire instead of a fake one on the screen. And you, you could, you, could uh, you know, uh, uh, be watching your favorite television show or eating something and, or just went to bed early, you know, and enjoying that or enjoying your husband or your wife. Great. But, but instead, you're here. Praise God. You're here. And I've, hopefully we've given you some nuggets out of the word, some truths, um, because this is war. See, all you did was change sides. When you became a believer, you changed sides. Yeah. Okay, you're on the winning side, but that doesn't mean you ain't going to go through it. Yeah. And that doesn't mean he isn't going to go after you. Mm-hmm. But it's learning to trust him. Um, don't ask, you know, I'm still working on that. Mm-hmm. Because I'm, you know, it's, it's, it's so easy to be smarter than God. Uh, yeah, it's stupid. But it's so easy to be smarter than God and thinking you can do it on your own. That you can, or I give him the directions. Mm. Any of you do that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Most of you are honest. Thank you. All right. Yes, let's move on. Yeah, well, something that you were sort of wrapping up on, I think, is is a great lead into a question that I wanted to ask you coming into tonight, which was um, really related to just practical advice you can give um, to parents, um, to just regular Christian folk who are, don't need to be convinced that homosexuality is a sin, but in the age that we're living in, this <coughs> perverse agenda has found its way into our workplaces, into our families. Think about some of the folks here. We have parents here. We have people who work in public schools here, and um, this is something that's being shoved in, in, in people's faces. So um, how does, let's say, a parent contend with a child um, who is you know, coming out um, as non-binary or you know bisexual or you know someone who let's say in the workplace is feeling pressured um, to support things that they know are are, are against the, the the law of God so how how would you um, kind of uh, give us a practical day-to-day on how to live this out that's going to be another show uh, um, <clears throat> on the next uh, <clears throat> on the next episode of, <laughs> of the okay um, of the cruise news, um, we, 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 it, it, it's, let's go from here. First of all, uh, the first part of the question, how do you deal with that person? Um, whatever their, their, their label is, either being their genuine selves, 
you know, that, that's just, you know, that, that's a, a, a bad commercial. Genuine self. No, uh-uh, uh-uh. You, there, there are two sexes, that's science. You're either XX or XY, and what does that mean? And like I said, I've got a whole series, uh, I've got a whole hour presentation, sex science and, and scripture. But one of the things you need to do is understand this. This is what I tell my parents, maintain relationship. But that doesn't mean you maintain relationship at all costs. You do not accept what they say they are. Um, now, most people who are in the, in, the, who are in the alphabet soup, the LGBTQIA-XYZ++++, um, it's an extremely narcissistic lifestyle. It's all about the unholy trinity, me, myself, and I. So um, uh, they will demand that you do this and do that and do this. And so this is what I tell parents. You know, let's say that, that you're a mom and, and you have a daughter demanding that you call her uh, 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 Joe when you named her Josephine, okay? Because she wants to be Joseph or she picks a totally different Charles, whatever. She just picks something. And, and you say, no, I, I can't do that because that's not true. That's who I am. No, that's who you choose to be. And then, then and they'll, they'll make this, they'll blackmail you with no relationship, da, 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 da. And here's what you say to them. You know, you seem to have forgotten that there are two people in this relationship. Mm-hmm. You're not the only one in this relationship. Excellent. Excellent. You and I are in this relationship. And for us to have a real relationship, you have to acknowledge that I exist. Mm-hmm. That I have feelings. Mm-hmm. And my Christianity and my uh, belief on the reality of accepting God's creation and that reality, mm-hmm. reality, uh, cannot permit me to, to, to lie to you. Wow. I love you. Mm-hmm. Why would I lie to you? Yep. Now, um, they'll get angry. Yep. Uh, and, and, you know, another because you're dealing with an adolescent behavior. There is a, a proven psychological because it's done, the reason why it's proven, because psychiatry is a screwed up field. Um, but, but the thing is, is that there are behaviors, there are behavioral sciences, because those behaviors have been around since the fall. Okay, so in these behaviors of narcissism, this is one thing we do know. You behave in an emotional state. You are arrested to where you were injured. Absolutely. You are arrested. You may be able to move on and finish college. You may be able to hold down a job and manage a bank account and have a car and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But you aren't able to become a true adult. You're you're stuck. Mm -hmm. You're stuck. And we know heterosexual people like that too. Let's let's face it, that's just not a gay thing. But it's very pronounced in the LGBTQIA-XYZ++++, okay? So that's one way to handle this, all right? I will tell you, we have a parent right now. My heart breaks for her because her heart is broken. Her only child, she's a nurse too, her only child had her breast removed. And so she, as a nurse, stayed with her daughter through all of that. 
Her daughter is demanding that her mother call her by a different name. And because her mother says, I can't do that. And I gave her all these good advice that everybody's cheering. This is great stuff. And her daughter basically said no. Mm -hmm. So she is in that relationship. And they moved out of state. And um, these parents, the, the, the mom and the stepdad, who literally raised her, um, are at the point where they know we have to let her go. They're always going to be looking up the road like the, pro like the, 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 the father mm. for his prodigal. Oh, no. But they have to let her go. Yeah. And then there's this very hard stuff too. Mm -hmm. There are other children that get it and they're, and they're dealing with some stuff. And then there are these people who are overly medicated. Yeah. And, and the drugs do change your chemistry. Not your DNA, but they change your chemistry. Um, so those are those factors. Um, when you're praying for them, diligently pray, and don't go through this journey alone. I, I have two support groups in the state right now for parents. And um, up here we meet the third Sunday of every month. Um, so if you, you want, if you've, got, if you've got a loved one and you want to know how to deal with that, this particular Sunday, I think it's 19th, 17th, one of those Sundays, whatever it is, in December, um, that is our Christmas party. So we, are, we commit the, sun, the sin of gluttony. I, I brine a bird and da-da-da-da-da, but we can still talk while we're eating. And I cook a really good bird. It's very moist. Um, so, um, but I just want you to know that that's there and other support is there. And I, what I've noticed too is now that we have this group, the parents are talking to one another, mm, giving support beautiful. to one another. We have people that drive from other states to come to our wow. group because we're about the only one around that's meeting in person. That's awesome. So, um, and, and it becomes hard because I have a full-time job with the Center for Garden State Families trying to get that to work. There's no money in that ministry for, for the, on the XK side. So it's, but, but it's hard to do all this, but you still got to do what you got to do because there aren't enough people out there, but we've got you. So it's growing. So there, there's that, just so you understand. God bless you, brother. Don't forget to send it, sign up for an email. Okay, and um, not putting him on the spot. Um, so, Brett so, likes that. He's good with that. What's up? I said, Brett likes that. He's fine with that. He's fine with being put on the spot. <laughs> Give me his phone number. Um, so, no. so, anyway... Um, I got another story came to my mind, but I can't tell. I don't have time. So uh, there's, those are things that you need to understand and do. And when you're praying, you pray for relational failure. Well, that sounds harsh. No. You're praying that every relationship that keeps your son and daughter in that lifestyle, whatever it is, mm. drugs, yeah. homosexuality, sex, whatever they're into, that you prayed that those relationships fail. Mm. Excellent. And, but the, and as I said, you maintain relationship. They need to know that that door is available and open to you. Yes. You don't shun them. You don't kick them yes. out. You let them know. Right. I don't accept what you're doing. And you know I won't. You know, um, you cannot, oh, you want to bring your partner over for Thanksgiving dinner? Oh, and you need to spend the night? That's fine. Uh, he or she can get a hotel room. Or uh, they're going to sleep in the basement and you're going to sleep upstairs. Period. And I just want you to know I have microphones downstairs. <laughs> you know, it, it, that way. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. 
So, but, but you need to, to let them understand that part of it, okay? And, and because they can go to the extreme. We have an extreme right now in that one uh, parent's life there with that. And, and I'm praying that that child comes back. Her name is Laura. There are lots of Lauras, but her name is Laura. And um, she's on the hormones and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. But, um, you know, the, some drastic things have happened. I met a, I go to the NEA conventions, you know, the, NEA, the teachers union, mm. you know, the National Exploitation Association, I mean, National Education Association. They, um, um, uh, I met a man there who's a detransitioner. Mm. Of course, they don't really, it's, a, it's kind of a crazy name because you can't really transition. You still remain what you were. You just mutilated your body. Yep. But, yeah. you know, um, and he did. He had all of it cut off. Wow. There's another woman named Laura Perry. She's, she's yes. yeah, Laura. Laura had her uterus removed, her ovaries removed, yeah. everything. Um, so they come back to the Lord. Now, in his particular situation, his name is Jeff Tooley. He's doing podcasts, too, and YouTubes. Um, um, reasonably new to this so you know I'm, I'm always a little leery of the newer people because you know it, it, they you need time to heal yeah. and understand where you've been and what you need to do and what direction to go into they need some spirit they need, need some serious spiritual guidance mm -hmm. and and they need an overseer they need someone to, to be accountable to them mm -hmm. but in the same uh sense he uh is now having to take testosterone and when you have to inject it as a man, uh, it actually increases your chances of developing cancer anywhere in oh the body. Uh, exponentially increases that. So the harm that we are doing to people, this mm -hmm. is madness. Yeah. It's just madness. Mm -mm. But the scripture told us this was going to happen. Yeah. You know, in Revelation, it has that word, you know, uh, uh, pharmamakia, which is the, the, in, in the Greek. But when you sit there and look at what we've got going on here, it's all about the drugs. Yeah. It's all about the drugs. It's all about the money. And, and, and the money to go with the drugs. Mm -hmm. It's like we're saying, you know, ivermectin before, I, uh, before COVID was 16 cents a dose. Mm. You can get about 10 to $20 a dose now. Mm. Oh, how about that? And it's a miracle drug. It really is. It always, it always was. It always was. Mm. And they knew it would, we knew it worked on AIDS, but they squashed that. And the guy who did that, his name is Anthony Fauci. We're gonna talk about that, okay? <laughs> We're ready to go there, rescue. <laughs> That's another name for Belzebub, Apollyon, <laughs> Satan. Yeah. Go. Don't ask me for my opinion; I'll give it to you. What's next? What's next? Wow! I mean, that was um, just so much to process. I think, just as the church, I agree. We really need to be armed, and we need to be in total submission and we also need to be of the same heart as that minister all those years ago who said if you're a prostitute if you're a drug dealer a drug user a homosexual whatever darkness you came out of i think the church needs to do a better job of making this place feel like a hospital where people can come in now we don't want you to stay that way, but Amen. you. Uh, but the the doors should be open for people of these experiences um, and these struggles to know that the church is a place where they can find love and support and healing, and community, and the accountability and all of that. 
And um, I mean, I would love to just end on, on a note of hope. Of course, you shared your testimony and just the incredible redemptive work that the Lord has done in your life and now through you. I'd love to hear a story of um, someone more recently who you encountered in your work who um, came, you know, um, from the LGBTQIA plus 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 and, you know, has been um, totally changed uh, by, by an encounter with the Lord. Do, is there anything that, that comes to mind that you can share? Wow, there are a lot. Uh, I'm part of the changed movement. The last time I was here, I wore the billboard, changed. Uh, I didn't tonight because it's not a very warm shirt and, and it's cold out there. So uh, I went in a sweater. Um, but but um, there are a lot of people. Patty Height is one who's coming back to New Jersey. She's from Old Bridge. Uh, Tara King, who um, is here in New Jersey. Uh, Brian Wheelock is another guy who's married, just lost his father, um, and is a father to three kids, um, lives here in New Jersey. There's Stephen Bennett in Connecticut. I mean. It would, I could start naming names like crazy. There's a lot. There is just a lot of people there. But when we were talking about, uh, there, there was a, when I was with PFOX, we had, had a little uh, program called Safe Exit. And um, this is what I want to say to you as a church, and I should say this to every church. And this does not mean that you endorse or condone sin. You still preach about it. You still condemn sin, not the person sin because we were all born into it yep. so we ain't got no right to condemn nobody for, uh, for it we're all on equal footing there because we were all born into sin so but is your church a safe place to be a safe exit mm. whatever that sin is is your church a safe place is rescue church great name is your church a safe place for a safe exit out of sin Will you love them out of it? Mm -hmm. Not to stay in it. Well, I'm gay and I know Jesus loves me. You're right, he does love you, but he doesn't love how you're behaving. Mm -hmm. But he died for you. Mm -hmm. He paid the price for how you're living. Mm -hmm. I'm a gay Christian. No. I would accept you much better if you said I'm a Christian, I'm struggling with same-sex attraction. Right. Got that. Struggles? Yeah, buddy. Got it. Get it. No. But you can't have your sin as the identifier before your Christ. Yes. Excellent. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you can't. You can't. Mm -hmm. It's like saying I'm, I'm a murderous Christian. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's, no, you stupid. No, 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 no. So just, just so you understand that, and there's a move right now, you and I were talking about it earlier, um, uh, about, you know, this, this idea of you, you can be a gay Christian. Mm. Well, it's like saying I can be a gay pedophile. No, you can't. You know, yeah, you can be a gay pedophile. You can't be a pedophile Christian. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's closing my bedtime and we still got work to do and then I have to drive home and then I have to decompress. And, okay, so wine, wine, wine. Um, anyway, just, just letting you know. So, um, um, yeah, so uh, there are many names I could to, to, to give you mm -hmm. and, and, and some that have passed on because, and there, there are many I know that are struggling with AIDS. Mm -hmm. They're struggling with AIDS. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you struggle? There are consequences to sin. 
I am 65 years old. I, would l I should be enjoying grandchildren. But I have no children. You see? So that's sad. And it makes me sad. So sometimes I enjoy other people's children. It depends on the children. <laughs> and how long I have to be with them. Um, so, you know, but, but and, and, and it's, it's great, you know. Um, there was a little girl at church come up and she would just hug my leg. And then I found out that they were moving. And I just looked at her parents as she hugged my leg one time during a rehearsal for our praise team. And I said, you can't move. No, you cannot move. You cannot take her away from me. You cannot move. So, you know, all I'm saying is there are consequences to sin. My mother disowned me not for being gay because I was telling people I was gay and left the lifestyle. She was so embarrassed and so full of pride. She died and we, I did not go to the funeral. We had no relationship. And that, so that, uh, that doesn't make me a hero. That's just the, another, again, another consequence to the sin. Because pride is the issue. Pride is the first sin. Yep. And all other sins come off of it. Yep. That is, that is the seed. That's the trunk. That's the bulb. That's it. That, and it fertilizes the other sins too. Yeah. So hanging on to unforgiveness is an act of pride. Mm. Because it's really about you instead of giving it to Jesus. Jesus, you took this, and you're going to take care of it. I give it to you. You know, Adam and I know a mutual person that did me dirty, 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 dirty. And I know dirty, dirty stuff about him. But he really treated me dirty. But the point is, is, you know, I have to forgive him. That doesn't mean I, I've released him to the Lord to take care of business, because I can't do anything about it anyway. There's nothing I can do about it, Amen. except do what God's called me to do. Amen. That's my responsibility. Yeah. All right. I'm ready to start repenting if anyone else is, but... <laughs> 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 and continue the conversation, um, which we will do um, on a podcast episode right after this. We're going to keep chatting and yapping, but Greg, thank you so much for sharing your story, for talking about your work, and I mean, really just bringing it back to the gospel, bringing it back to the love of the Father, bringing it back to the cross, and um, bringing it to hope. Um, I'll say one quick thing, uh, something that really encourages me when it comes to the age that we're living in and just the, the pervasion of the perversion and how much this LGBTQ issue has grown. Um, and it is really um, just uh, coming after our, our young people and our children as well. Um, the uh, prophet and a big intercession minister, Lou Engel, a few years ago had a really powerful uh, word from the Lord about how, and the Lord told him, I'm raising up an army of 10,000 ex-gays, which I'm glad to say we're, we're part of that army. Thank you, Jesus. And um, that the same thing that the Lord did in the 60s and 70s, where he went to the lowest of the low, the people that the church rejected, and that was like the hippies of the day in the 60s and 70s. 
70s and he brought about what the Jesus revolution you know this revival that swept the nation even you know went international and a lot of leaders in the faith now are people who got saved um, back in those days and the Lord is going to do something even greater um, through the LGBTQ through um, this um, this army that he's building up of men and women of God who are going to intercede um, for this community and we're going to see revival break out in this community in this country and beyond so that is honestly something that keeps me going every day because I'm sure you you know have this as well I mean I think as we continue to get that mind renewed and you know get the heart um, and the mind of Christ but I think um, something that I can really relate to you and other people who the Lord delivered out of that community there's a special burden that I have for that community a special heartache that I have for that community and I just pray that the church receives the father's heart for those struggling in that lifestyle because it's really quick and easy to judge and point fingers um, meanwhile there are straight people up in the church um, you know who are not living holy and righteous lifestyles so um, you know how, how dare we um, point a finger um, at those struggling with just a different kind of sin because all of our sin stinks um, but I, I really just want to see the church um, in America rise up and, and move with that love of the Father and what that forgiveness you were talking about is is so incredible and key to that. So I just really want to thank you, Greg, um, for joining us. And just thank you for all the work um, that you're doing. And um, we just pray, Lord, that you would just bless the work that you're doing um, through this organization, Lord, the work that Greg is doing in the state of New Jersey. Lord God, we pray and believe for supernatural provision for the organization to expand its efforts, Lord, to expand its bandwidth, yeah, Lord, Jesus. to expand yeah. its staff, Lord Jesus, yeah. that you will send people um, the way in that way Lord Jesus God to um, give their their time their talent their uh, treasure Lord um, to serve um, your agenda for the state of New Jersey Lord which is to preserve the innocence of your little ones Lord to establish fathers Lord to establish faith in the families of New Jersey so we just bless Greg in the mission of Garden State families Lord um, we just bless them in everything that you've called um, Greg to do do and his leadership, Lord, and pray for renewing of strength, Lord, for grace upon grace, Lord Jesus. And we are just trusting in you, Lord, for breakthrough, for provision, Lord Jesus, and for protection as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, everybody. Remember, I'm coming back to preach on hell. <laughs>